Welcome to Dana Delivers by Aprio Podcast, the podcast that helps restaurant owners and operators learn from industry experts about trends and opportunities. On every episode, Dana Zukowski, the leader of Aprio's restaurant advisory team, explores a topic impacting our industry in a candid conversation. And now, let's hear what Dana is serving up on this episode. Thank you very much. And today we have Susan Blackbeth with us. And we're so excited. And I always like to start my podcast with the first time I meet somebody. And Susan and I, for the first time, met each other at a restaurant CFO bootcamp event. She was our keynote speaker, and that was already a very long time ago. So I'm excited for everyone to hear what's been going on more more recently. But I love that we bonded over Broadway. And when we first started talking a few weeks ago, the first thing we did was resume our conversation post-pandemic about the Music Man, which is where we ended our conversation five years ago. So, Susan, welcome. Thank you. Thank for joining. you. Thank you. And we do. I don't know that we've had the conversation about if the right uh, musical won the Tonys, but we should probably do that on another day. Yes, a hundred percent. We will discuss anyway. So, Susan, last time we saw each other in person pre-pandemic, a long time ago. A lot's changed for both of us, both personally and professionally. Why don't you talk a little bit about your background, how you got into the restaurant space and what you're doing now a little bit? Yeah, thank you so much. So um, it all starts a long, long time ago, Dana, in 1976. Right? It's a quick story, I promise, which it's not. Um, my parents are the founders of the nation's largest self-serve car wash chain, um, which I always used to say, I know, super sexy, right, with a whole bunch of sarcasm. Um, but as a lot of folks know, car washes are the hottest uh, investment in the private equity space right now or amongst the hottest. So it is pretty sexy at this point in time. Um, my parents and my older sister are still in the family business and are running Superwash Car Washes. Um, I grew up in that business. I became a licensee of that business, so an owner of my very first company when I was 19. And um, then my sister and I went on to, and we bought a store and rehabbed it um, the first time. The second time, we built a store from the ground up. And the first time when we uh, did the rehab, it was so much work. I said to my sister, I will never do another rehab again. So we built a new store uh, when I was 23. And the day of the grand opening, somebody drove in with their horse trailer and ripped the roof off of our brand new car wash. <laughs> and I looked at it and I go, I will never build a new store again. <laughs> well, all of us in franchising know that if you're not gonna rehab and you're not gonna build new, your development options are relatively limited. Um, but I spent eight years as a multi-unit franchisee um, after I graduated from college, I went and worked in the big city, which is Chicago for me, based here in the western Chicago suburbs now. Um, and ultimately, my parents made a decision to take the licensing uh, model, which was for the family business, and turn it into a franchise. And my dad came to me, and this is something he had resisted for quite some time, but he said, hey, I want to franchise this business. Will you come back? And I was living in Chicago at the time. I was dating the guy I'm now married to. I was 23. And my hometown was 4,500 people. Wow. And in a cornfield. That's probably, how many lived, that's probably how many lived in your apartment building in Chicago. Yes. 
Yes. And I said, Dad, I'll come back, but I'm not coming back because at 23, I could think of no fate worse than breaking up with the guy I was dating and being back dating guys I went to high school with. <laughs> so major, obviously, strictly professional plans always made on the best decisions, right? Uh, Dana, the right okay. circumstances. So <laughs> I have worked from home for 22 years now. And so um, that's been a great run for me. I was back at Superwash for 14 years of my professional career. And in 2014, I uh, was the chief operating officer of the family business, and I decided to take a chance and throw myself out into the, the wild world uh, outside of the safety of a family business. And I joined a friend uh, in starting a private equity fund that was going to be focused on investing in restaurants and in multi-unit franchise businesses called right. NRD Capital. And I think, not I think, I, I know that's a right around the time when we met each other. And what was so interesting and exciting, and I think we'll talk a little bit more about how vast your experience is, is NRD at the time, the idea was franchisees helping to own and operate franchisors and growing the businesses that way. So a little different than what was traditionally done. And right. it was fully operator led, right? So um, Aziz Hashim had spent the majority of his career as a multi-unit franchisee, and I had spent the majority of my career as a franchisor. So we were going to be able to come in from an investing standpoint with true operational experience. Um, and so I was at NRD Capital for about six years. We made six investments over the course of that time, and I got to work very closely with our uh, operating teams and our management teams, um, and certainly our team at NRD Capital. Um, the pandemic hit, right? Pandemic was incredibly hard. We had four restaurants in the portfolio at the time and a trampoline park. So 30,000 square feet of kids coughing on each other. Um, and two Fantastic. of the four... Yeah, yeah. Those those didn't stay open for very long with them when the pandemic hit and they were closed, fully closed for about four months. Um, but we had two restaurants that had self-service um, salad bars in them. And so literally overnight, what was one of their greatest assets became one of their greatest liabilities. And so um, that was a really thrilling time. And I do mean thrilling somewhat tongue in cheek, but I don't know how you feel about it. I would rather be in the game than watching from the sidelines or reading about it in a history book 20 right. years from now. Well, a little bit of in the game that way, but also I would speak to people who weren't in the space and they'd be like, oh, it must be so horrible. It must be so horrible. And I'm like, it is horrible, but we're going to figure this out because there is nobody more scrappy and resilient than restaurant operators, right? Like you need to do dishes. Someone's going to do the dishes, whatever needs to be done. And I think again, fast forward the two and a half, three years, I think we really proved that, right? The ones who succeeded, they're really shining because yeah. of the scrappiness and the resiliency. So I agree, being part of it was sucky at the time and it really wasn't super fun, but I'm, I think I'm a better person for it. Agreed. I think I'm absolutely a, a better business owner, a better operator and a better investor because we went through that challenge together. And man, it gives me chills to think about the way that I watched leaders step up and put whole organizations on their back. You know, I was just, it was incredible. So um, the, the pandemic hit, um, obviously everybody was making adjustments. We get to the end of that year, November, 2020, um, and my then 12 year old son, um, totally healthy, no pre-existing conditions, um, nothing, uh, dropped to the floor having had a heart attack. And we didn't know he had had a heart attack until about 36 hours later. And all of a sudden, my life just kind of went off the rails. And my sole mission um, became to bring my son home alive. 
And ultimately, Brandon had to have a heart transplant, um, which was in April of 2021. Um, unfortunately, what we learned is that he doesn't have a heart problem. He has a blood problem that affects his heart. Um, he has a clotting problem, so we built a clot inside of his newly transplanted heart and ultimately had three open heart surgeries in less than six months. Um, and so it was quite a journey. And thankfully to my team at NRD Capital and my colleagues, they're just great. They're just great partners and friends and um, really supported me through all of that. But once we got Brandon's situation somewhat under control, I was pretty much done with my investing mindset. Um, it, I just needed a break to focus on my family and to try and put the wheels back on uh, very candidly. Um, and so I decided to leave the direct investing side of the business and to start my own um, advisory company, which would be my fourth business that I've started. And um, it's been a really cool ride since last September. So something really, really horrible, but kind of like what we said about the pandemic, right? It was a really tough and challenging time, but we learned a lot. Um, very similar for me out of Brandon's experience. Right. And I think. Right. And what I think that's how we always learn, right, is by something happens and you put it all in perspective and what's important and what's not. And family was important and starting something new and realizing. I So why don't you tell us a little bit about the new company, about Team Up Advisory? Because as you start talking, what was so exciting to me when we spoke about it was you've had all these jobs, you've had all these experiences, you've done so many things. And even in prepping for this, you've talked about someone who you've mentored and who you work with. I think a lot of what you're doing now, you've been doing, we just didn't call it a business. We called it being a really good leader and a really good friend. So why don't you talk about what Team Up Advisory is doing? And then we could talk a little bit about why it's so important. Yeah, absolutely. So I wanted, the, it came out of necessity, right? This business was founded out of total necessity for psychological freedom to know that if Brandon went back in the hospital, I could do that and not let anybody down. Um, I didn't need to get on an airplane on any given day unless I chose to do so, and it was all on my shoulders. So it was really out of necessity that we, um, my husband and I, made a decision that I would start this business. Um, but it was, I, I really appreciate you saying that. It is a little bit of formalizing some of the things that I've already done. There's just not a lot of resumes that look like mine, um, having been a franchisor, having been a franchisee. I'm a professional motivational speaker to both the restaurant space, the franchise space broadly. Um, so I'm, I've been a supplier to the franchise industry um, and then six years of direct investing experience. Um, so I thought that there would be some ways, hopefully, that I could give back to people predominantly through coaching um, projects that they didn't know who to turn to. And that's kind of how I summarized my bio. I was like, I'm the gal you call when you don't know who to call, right? Because <laughs> right? I'm often not the answer, but I know the Danas of the world who could be your answer, right? right. Um, yeah. So that was really some of the thinking. But, you know, at this stage in my life, I'm 45 now. I've had a great, great career, great run, amazing family. My boys are both in high school now, and I I, I know how present I want and intend to be for their high school years and, and all the cool stuff that's coming their way. Um, I really want to be a part of of change. And there are some things that I have witnessed in each of the businesses that I've been in that are that are some foundational challenges to both the finance industry, the franchise industry, and business at large, predominantly around women's involvement, people of color, um, and, and diverse minorities. And so I really hope that I can find the right platform or build the right platform where I can be a part of some systemic change um, as I head into the latter years of my career.
Right. And I think, and again, in the preparation for today's call, we spoke about how you and I, we don't stop talking. We aren't shy. We stand up. We fight for what we want. And that's why we are who we are. But not everybody has that opportunity, or if they do have the opportunity, feels comfortable to do so. So part of motivational speaking and speaking to these people, I guess, is going to help figure all of that out and work with people. Yeah, absolutely. And what I appreciate is the opportunity to really customize everything. And that's how I've always approached my my speaking business is I can talk to a franchise company or a restaurant company. They may be both franchise and a restaurant company, and they can tell me what they're looking for and what their challenges are. And I have a experience depth to be able to say, oh, I can think about when I was there. Here are the things that I have any depth of experience around that we can build into this speech so I can customize everything I do. I can do the same thing on the coaching side now. I've I've got a wonderful um, new executive, female executive, um, first time in the president CEO seat, and she's just finding her footing. She's awesome. She's fantastic at what she does, but you and I both know that it gets really lonely. Right. And it, it, it's nice when to have equity backed, right? And it's nice to have someone that you could talk to who might have some of the same experiences or some of the same challenges as you. Some of the things I didn't realize about that I'm learning more about the DEI and all of the diversity inclusion and bringing different people to the leadership. I and again I mentioned this before was we had John Hope Bryant speak at our leadership conference last week, and he talked about his. 1 million new black business initiative. And some of the things he said were just phenomenal that not like just the education of people to get to where they want to be. They just didn't have the same exposure or the same experiences. And I think what you're being able to bring to some of these people is that exposure and experiences they, they might not have been known where to find before. And again, obviously a little different, more with female focused and other people of color, but it's just fantastic how many new opportunities and programs there are out there. It, it really is. And look, I've led a pretty sheltered and privileged life, right? I really have. I've been very blessed. And so one of the things I wrote in kind of my origination document for Team Up Advisory Services uh, speaks to something you mentioned earlier. It was that I want to be able to use my voice to speak on behalf of those whose voice maybe not, maybe isn't as loud as mine. Right. right? Um, and that's something that I keep coming back to in each of the projects I do. And it could be a, a business owner. I'm, I'm working on uh, helping a friend sell their company right now. And I'm helping them find their voice in an area that they don't have, you know, any experience. But I do. And I can understand how they feel and that it gets scary and that it's exciting and scary at the same time. And so it doesn't always mean that it's it's there's no men in any of my conversations anywhere. That's certainly not the case. I've been very fortunate to be mentored by some amazing male leaders. Um, but I just want to help people understand stuff that they're maybe not as clear about. Right. And I think being part of diversity is also include and surrounding yourself by a diverse background. Like we were again speaking in preparation for this about who do you surround yourself with? And it's not just the yes people, right? It's the no people. And it doesn't have to be all people who look like you or sound like you or come from the same background as you. I think that that's also a very important part of this whole thing is who you're putting yourself in the room with and making sure it is a, it's not a very homogeneous group of people. 
That's very well said. It is all about who your network is and who you surround yourself with. Um, each time I've started a business, I have what's called my challenge network. And my challenge network can be different give, re, uh, depending on which business I'm thinking about starting, right? When it was my franchisee business, it could have been one group. Um, and this most recent advisory service slash executive coaching business would be another group of people. But at its core, what is a challenge network? It's a handful of people who love you enough and care about you enough to tell you that you're being an idiot. Right. No. Like they don't want <laughs> to see you chase an idea that they don't think has real legs. Right. That because right. they will say, hey, if you think about this idea, maybe over here, there'd be a bigger market for it. Or over here, maybe it allows you to hit two or three of your objectives better. And every time you have one of those conversations, even if ultimately they say, wow, I love this idea, like that's a good one. Your business plan and your thinking is more well formed when you challenge it. Right. And that's what right. these folks are there. Challenge Network is there to do. Um, and I'll tell you what, it's been awesome because almost every time I do that, somebody in my Challenge Network steps forward and really puts their money where their mouth is. I know this is a podcast, so you couldn't see my quotes, but really right. has stepped forward and been an active supporter of uh, you know various businesses I've been involved with. So that's just been super rewarding. I also find that the best way for someone to help you is to just ask and if you're not sure and you ask their opinion and someone doesn't like what you're doing and they have a better way usually they're going to want to help you do it because whether it's for them internally it makes them feel good or because they know it makes you feel good either way it's usually the best way to get what you want is to just ask for it or ask no. someone's opinion so true so true and um yeah i've just been very fortunate to be able to be in a position where um you do, you ask the question and then they come back to you, right? Those questions come back to you and you have a chance to put good out into the world or at least your opinion of what good is. And that's like my catnip, <laughs> I promise you. Yes. Whenever I get an email or a text that says, hey, Suze, do you have 10 minutes for me to run an idea by you? I promise you that is like my catnip. I just love that. I'm so grateful and that people think of me as a, a resource or a thought partner. Yeah, and my I love it. I do a lot of demos for people on their technology. And I always say, but am I allowed to ask every question I want? Am I allowed to poke as many holes in it as I want without you getting offended? And usually they say yes. And the ones who like get really annoyed at me at the end, I know they're they need a better challenge network because if they're getting letting me get them sad, then we have a problem. <laughs> so Susan. We talk about anything that's next. You want to talk about what you're looking to do or kind of just kind of close it up? Yeah. So for me, like uh, for the restaurant operators who may take the opportunity to listen to this, just thank you. I, we know you're tired. We know this has been a brutal battle for the last couple of years. Um, thank you for figuring it out. Um, and really to all business owners and leaders who just put companies on your back. Uh, just thank you. Um, it was it was awesome to watch. Um, and for me, I'm really hoping that I either find or build a platform where I can use my voice to speak on behalf of those whose voices may not be as loud as Dana and Susan's. Um, and to the extent that anybody um, needs a motivational speaker for events that they may be putting together, um, I'm, I'm still always going to be looking to do that. Um, 
because it's my way to stay involved and hopefully to give back as well. So I'm just delighted to be reconnected with you after a long drought of the pandemic and uh, looking forward to when we get back on Broadway together as soon as possible. Yes, perfect. Well, we're going to be sitting in the audience, so anyone listening, don't get excited. Neither Susan or I are going to be performing. <laughs> well, that's a very good call out. <laughs> but thank you so much for your time, and everyone, thank you for listening, and I hope to see you soon. Thanks, Dana. Thank you to all of our listeners to the Dana Delivers by Apio podcast. If you like today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button. Dana Delivers brought to you by Aprio, a premier accounting and business advisory firm with offices across the U.S. and clients around the globe.